am Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio, and today we are going to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with Reverend Dr. Frederick Haynes. He's the pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. He has been the pastor there for the past 35 years, and he got there as a student. He's the third generation of his family to pastor a church. He's a social activist, he's a minister, he's a doctoral student working on his second doctoral, and he is a lecturer. His ministry started while a student at Bishop College, and today he adds yet another name to his portfolio, the president of Rainbow Push as we pivot in the civil rights leadership. So you've also done a doctorate, your first doctorate, Oxford University, and I love the title, To Turn the World Upside Down. Second doctorate, you're working on black liberation preaching with a writing on Dr. Jeremiah Wright. Right. All right, now I want to start from the beginning. I want to talk about your grandfather. Tell me about Bubba. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Queen Hermine, oh. your amazing legacy already speaks for itself and so to have the privilege to sit with you uh, knowing of your activism knowing of your excellence in journalism is something that we all benefit from so thank you so much thank you uh, my grandfather for whom i'm named frederick douglas haynes senior he was born i believe 1899 in west virginia summers county west virginia he was orphaned at the age of four and his sister and aunt raised him. And from age four to nine, they literally were doing homeschooling before it was a thing. And he was reading about Frederick Douglass, the silver-tongued prophet of freedom. And when he went to school for the first time at the age of nine, the teacher asked him, what's your name? They didn't have, you know, a computer printout and all of that stuff, so they asked him what his name was. His sisters and aunt had always given him the nickname Bubba. So that's all he knew was Bubba, Bubba, Bubba. And yet when they asked my grandfather, when the teacher asked, young man, what is your name? His response was Frederick Douglass Haynes. He named himself on the spot. And the lesson I learned from my grandfather is in this life, you don't discover who you are as much as you decide who you are. You define you yourself. You define who you are. You define yourself for yourself. Or as I believe the great black playwright would say to all of us, Zora Neale Hurston, if you don't define yourself for yourself, you'll be crushed into the fantasies of others. Well, he defined himself. And when you look at his ministry, pastoring Third Baptist in San Francisco, where he hosted the NAACP National Convention, I believe in 1959. He was the host to Martin Luther King Jr. He was the host to Paul Robeson, Josephine Baker, W.E.B. Du Bois. Historians know at that time, they were persona non grata in this country, seen as enemies of this country, and yet they found hospitality and a welcome space at Third Baptist under his leadership, and I believe with Frederick Douglass Haynes Sr. naming himself, he then defined what his life would be about. 
He was also the first African-American to run for a county supervisor in the city and county of San Francisco. You don't discover who you are, you define who you are. So your path, yeah. your path by name was destined. I literally feel that he set the course for me. And so when I look at even the appointment to the office, president, CEO, Rainbow Push, it's almost as if my grandfather at the age of nine set the course for his grandson. He's destined. Yeah. So now you grew up in the Bay Area. Yes, San Francisco. Yay area. And across the Bay were Black Panthers. The Black Panther Party. How did all of this shape and form you? Well, philosophy, oh my education. God. Yeah, thank you. How did it form you? Thank you greatly. Uh, I'm growing up in the church without question, and yet I'm being turned on by the Black Panther Party. Social activism. Their social activism, they're socially meeting the immediate needs of hungry children, protecting us from police who were preying on us. The Black Panther Party, as far as I'm concerned, injected in the veins of my own spirit a strong sense of what it means to be a proud, strong, defiant, against the authorities that are oppressive black man. The Black Panther Party blessed me because the Black Panther Party let me know there was no shame in my African-American game. But you're still involved in ministry. Still involved in the church, growing up in the Christian church, and having some problems with what I'm seeing oftentimes in the church and yet feeling that you can wed that Black Panther Party activism with the anointing of the black church. And then as I'm growing up and discovering the history of the black church, when the black church at its best has been what the Black Panther Party was doing. And so it's like the Black Panther Party took over for what the black church had stopped doing. You go to high school. Yeah. First day of high school. Yeah. It's not a good day. Your it, father passed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a devastating day. Uh, my father had served as pastor of Third Baptist, succeeding his dad. And matter of fact, he served three years, three months, and three days. And he literally passed out in the pulpit, had a stroke of the brain. And then three days later, I go to school for orientation, my first day of high school. And after school is over, I immediately rush to the hospital where he had been in a coma. And within two hours, the doctor called us in to tell us he had expired. And so my first day of high school, my father transitioned. That was devastating. Yeah, my father was my hero. Uh, even though he was pastor of Third Baptist, following in his dad's footsteps, he was my dad, and I loved him, admired him, wanted to be like him, wanted him to be proud of me, and all of a sudden, at the age of 46, he's gone, and that was, that was devastating. You were being trained for the church, to take over the church? Not at all, not at all. As a matter of fact, for me, 
I didn't know anything about my grandfather being all that he was. I knew nothing about my dad except that they were my dad and granddad. I was just in the family enjoying granddaddy, enjoying daddy, and then it was literally years later that I came to find out these were some bad Negroes who were really doing the thing. My name is yeah. Frederick Douglass. My name is Frederick Douglass Haynes hey. III. And that really meant something. And I had no idea because, again, I was blessed to literally grow up in the nest of a family that loved me, loved on me, and allowed me to be a little kid. We all know the awesome power of the sun. Your solar options could help fill your life with clean energy at comed.com slash clean energy. Wait, stop scrolling. I'm here to help. For what? ACA Health Insurance Marketplace Open Enrollment is here. You can find a health plan that works for you and your family or change your current plan. Through GetCoveredIllinois.gov, certified local navigators like myself can help you enroll and find out if you qualify for financial help. I really need to do that. That's why I'm here. Don't change that profile pic. You look great. Open enrollment ends January 15th. What's up, everybody? This is Curtis Blow inviting you to the Hip Hop Nutcracker, a holiday mashup for the whole family. December 12th through the 17th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. The hottest players club is at Chicago's first and only casino. Valley Rewards at the all-new Valley Chicago gives gamblers more for your loyalty. From 500 and free slot play in your first day to free parking anytime, we'll even match your tier status from Chicagoland casinos. This is where legends are made. Valley's Chicago. The sensation that ignited Broadway is back. The Wiz. He's on down, he's on down the road. He's on down, he's on down the road. A brand new vision for a brand new day. Ease on down and get tickets to The Wiz. Playing November 28th through December 10th at Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at broadwayinchicago.com. This November, that spit-curled icon of joy, that champion of empowerment, sings a new tune live on stage for the first time. It's the world premiere of Boop the Musical. Get tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. We are business leaders, community activists, health care providers, leaders, scientists, educators, athletes, media professionals, artists. We are GovState. Closed captioning is sponsored by Governor's State University. So now... 
We go to college. Yeah. Bishop College. Yeah. How did you get to Bishop College? What did you study? What did you learn? Wow. How did you do a student, a student yeah. pastoral lecture? Yeah. And then assume the church? Yeah. That question is amazing for me because I was on my way to Morehouse College in Atlanta and I received a letter from Morehouse, the housing department, telling me I had, they had no more room to stay on campus and I would have to get an apartment off campus. Well, that was cool with me. 17 apartment, but I made the mistake of leaving the letter open on the kitchen counter. My mother saw it. My mother said, you ain't staying in no apartment. No, uh, not you? at 17. And, and not at 17. And I mean, I was messed up and it's like, oh, I can't believe I left that open like that. And she said, you'll go to Bishop. Cause my mother went to Bishop. My dad went to Bishop. My granddaddy received an honorary degree from Bishop. She said, you go to Bishop until they find you some housing. And so I said, okay, fine. And so uh, I didn't say it like that where she heard me oh, because sure I wouldn't didn't. be living right now. <laughs> but uh, I went on to Bishop College. Ironically, two weeks later, I have to speak in the National Baptist Convention for their oratorical contest. And the president of Morehouse, Dr. Hugh Gloucester was there. He said, why aren't you in school? I said, Doc, I'm at Bishop because y'all don't have any room for me. My mother won't let me stay in an apartment. He said, that was a forum letter. That was not meant for you. Your roommate is waiting on you at Morehouse. And so he said, come on back to school. I said, Doc, I can't leave and go to school. I'm, I'm already enrolled. He said, well, come in January. When I go back to Bishop after speaking in the contest, Queen Hermine, they had elected me president of my freshman class. You can't go, but you can't go to Morehouse now. I can't now. go to Morehouse. And so I'm literally <laughs> stuck at Bishop College and fell in love with the school. And Dr. Gloucester, until his dying day, never let me live down that I should not have followed the forum letter. I said, but I followed my mama. But how did you know it was a form letter? I had no idea, That's and right. I tried to tell him that. And so he's in heaven now, Dr. Gloucester. I had no idea. Please know that. <laughs> yeah, so, so I went to Bishop for four years, and my senior year, and this is mind-blowing, uh, I am invited to preach at a church in Beaumont, Texas. And uh, the pastor said, you just get here and I'll take care of your reimbursement, give you a nice honorarium. And so I had to drive to Beaumont, Texas. Uh, I got, this is before we had, uh, you know, satellites directing us and- Never been to Texas before. Yeah, and so here I am, I have, I have to get directions. And so I got directions and I call them Negro Directions. Negro Directions don't give you street names. They basically say, uh, take a right at the gas station, a left at the mall, and then get on the freeway when you see this gas station. And so it took me 12 hours to get from Dallas to Beaumont, and it's normally six, seven hours. Uh, by the time I get to Beaumont, I'm out of gas. I call on the payphone, uh, the home of the pastor at midnight. His wife answers and says, we were looking for you last Sunday. Why weren't you here last Sunday? And please forgive me, Queen Ermine, but I began to speak in an unknown tongue under my breath because it's like, no, we, we, ain't, we ain't playing. I just drove 12 hours to get here. And she said, you were supposed to be here last Sunday. Why well, didn't have a secretary? And she said, well, come on over, you stay tonight. 
and going back to school. Well, I had no money, no gas, and I'm in a jacked up situation. And she gives, gives me some gumbo that was slamming. And she says, stay in the guest room tonight and uh, get on the road in the morning. Well, as God would have it, because I prayed, I said, God, I don't know how to get back. I have no money. You weren't gonna take no more Negro directions. And I had directions. no more Negro directions to take. <laughs> and, but while I was asleep, her husband called. She told him what happened. And he called his best friend in Beaumont who pastored the largest black church in Beaumont. And he said, man, I'm thankful you called because my guest got sick and I need a guest preacher. Do you have someone? I have someone, <laughs> and it was me. And so I ended up preaching for the largest black church in Beaumont that Sunday, and they gave me a love offering with a lot of love and paid for my uh, gas back to Dallas. And when I get back to Dallas, the payphone is ringing in the uh, dormitory where I'm staying. Uh, we didn't have cell phones. And uh, the payphone is ringing. The door mother says, you see the payphone, you hear the payphone, grab it. And so I grabbed the payphone, hello. And uh, pastor on the other end, it was a pastor, Robert Castle. He said, uh, I need to speak to Frederick Haynes. And so I said, I'm speaking. He said, you just preached for my best friend in Beaumont. He says, you're quite a preacher. You and your dad was my good friend. I need you to come preach for me at Friendship West Baptist Church. And so I said, okay. And so I preached for him in July of 1981. And he asked me to come back. I preached for him in February of 82. Unbeknownst to us, he had walking pneumonia and he passed away. I'm the last preacher they heard and they invited me to serve as interim pastor. And from there I became pastor. How old are you? 21, 21 years old and a junior at Bishop College going into my senior year. And I, it all started because I went to Beaumont the wrong Sunday and ran out of gas. That's called Negro Directions. Negro Directions, <laughs> hallelujah for Negro Directions. <laughs> That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy efficient products. So you can enjoy coming back to a home full of savings. Visit ComEd.com slash home savings. Wait, stop scrolling. I'm here to help. For what? ACA Health Insurance Marketplace Open Enrollment is here. You can find a health plan that works for you and your family or change your current plan. Through GetCoveredIllinois.gov, certified local navigators like myself can help you enroll and find out if you qualify for financial help. I really need to do that. That's why I'm here. Don't change that profile pic. You look great. Open enrollment ends January 15th. What's up, everybody? This is Curtis Blow inviting you to the Hip Hop Nutcracker, a holiday mashup for the whole family. December 12th through the 17th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. The hottest players club is at Chicago's first and only casino. Valley Rewards at the all-new Valley Chicago gives gamblers more for your loyalty. 
from 500 and free slot play in your first day to free parking anytime. We'll even match your tier status from Chicagoland Casinos. This is where legends are made. Valley's Chicago. The sensation that ignited Broadway is back. The Wiz. He's on down, he's on down the road. He's on down, he's on down the road. A brand new vision for a brand new day. Ease on down and get tickets to The Wiz. Playing November 28th through December 10th at Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at broadwayinchicago.com. This November, that spit-curled icon of joy, that champion of empowerment, sings a new tune live on stage for the first time. It's the world premiere of Boop the Musical. Get tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. So, when you got to Friendship, yeah. 100 was in the congregation. Yeah. Today, 13,000. Yeah. How did you grow it? Wow. First, only God, because keep in mind, I'm 21 when they extend the call to me as pastor, 22 when I actually go. So I don't know what I'm doing. And I had never served on staff of a church. I did not know what I was doing. So if I say anything but God, then, you know, you need to run because I'll, we, I'll get struck down right now. Uh, so first, it was God. Second, uh, God blessed me with mentors who basically walked me through, in spite of my ignorance, talked me through everything I had to deal with in those initial years. And so I'm forever indebted to uh, Emmanuel Scott and E.K. Bailey, a Caesar Clark. And uh, later in ministry, I met Jeremiah Wright Jr. And uh, all of those persons I look back on and I'm convinced that God used them to pour into me uh, when I was about to make a dumb decision. The phone would ring out of nowhere. And here is someone saying to me, that's dumb. Don't do that. So what did you learn from oh Dr. Jeremiah Wright? What did you learn from another mentor, Reverend wow. Jesse Jackson? Yeah. What were, the, what were some of the lessons? Yeah. So let me say this, Reverend Jackson, I met as a junior at Bishop College, right before all of this broke out in my life. And Reverend Jackson, and I'll be forever indebted to him for this, taught me that real ministry is not confined to the pulpit. Mm -hmm. It nice. has to show up on the pavement mm -hmm. where the people are. Mm -hmm. uh, real ministry is not only addressing, as he would say, sin within, but the sin we live in. And so I went to that church with that mindset that, that I wanted to be in the streets and confronting those in political and corporate suites during the week while trying to feed the people on Sunday morning. Uh, I shared with you about my grandfather. My grandfather ran for county supervisor of San Francisco and some haters began to talk about him. 
and they talked about him to one of the deacons of the church. He's at the post office and the deacon is confronted saying, your pastor is out here in these streets. Your pastor needs to be feeding the sheep. The deacon clapped back and said, our pastor is a good shepherd who feeds the sheep on Sunday and fights the wolves on Monday. And that's what Jesse Jackson embodied for me, feeding the sheep and fighting the wolves. And then here comes Jeremiah Wright, unapologetically black, unashamedly Christian, Black Panther Party. Unashamedly South Africa. Unashamedly with his Africanity and making us feel that we should be proud to be from the mother continent as opposed to the shame that was imputed onto us in too many instances as it's referred to as what? The dark continent. And Jeremiah Wright showed me an enlightening approach to our history, letting me know we ain't got nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to our Africanity. What's a shame is the colonization that took place. What's a shame is the fact that they came to us offering the Bible and then stealing the land. What's a shame is the most evil expression of enslavement in the history of humanity that took place as the colonizers, colonizers came. Jeremiah Wright showed me that, and so I began to try to make that a part of our ministry at Friendship West, where we are in them streets like Jesse Jackson, but at the same time, having that unapologetic Africanity wedded to our Christianity that Jeremiah Wright brilliantly and prophetically embodied. And so Jeremiah Wright, and thank you for saying that Jeremiah Wright, having the anointed audacity to put a sign up in front of Trinity United Church of Christ, free South Africa, while Ronald Wilson Reagan was engaged in what he called constructive engagement, which meant we profit from the pain of black South Africans while calling ourselves, engaging with them in order to slowly bring about their freedom. Jeremiah Wright said, no, free South Africa and free them now. So that position that Dr. Wright took yeah. was very similar to the position that Dr. King took Come on. on Vietnam. Say that. On the war. Say that. Stop the war. Let me be a human Christian philosophical guy. Say that. Not a black guy yeah. from the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Would that be right? Oh, that, that's so on point because with both of them, they were coming at it, again, unapologetic in terms of who they are, but at the same time as moral leaders. That's right. Exercising that's right. their moral authority and saying, this war is wrong. That's right. Period. This war, period, the end. That's right. South African apartheid and oppression is wrong. That's what Jeremiah Wright was saying. That's what Martin King was saying. And again, that is what's feeding. That's what your grandfather was saying. Say that. Say Am that. Am I right? That's what, that's what my granddaddy was saying as he defined himself. That's right. Yeah. I want to get to Oxford. Yeah. You lived in England for a while. Yeah. Your dissertation, first doctorate. Yeah. To turn the world. Upside down. Dr. Reverend Freddie Haynes, thank you so much thank for you. being with us and for just a wonderful interview. Thank you. Thank you for being with us with an incredible interview with Dr. Reverend 
Freddie Haynes. I'm just letting you know that long before we arrived, there was greatness, genius, and grace that characterized our people. And yet, here is what Maya Angelou declared. She said, we arrived on a nightmare. I hang out there homiletically, arriving on a nightmare. Hang with me for just a moment because to arrive on a nightmare is a reflection poetically if you extrapolate it of the fact that we arrived on the nightmare.